0: No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency, and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No known as the Madrona Bundle of Services. You'll hear Brian's thoughts on everything impacting your portfolio, from income to taxes, and from growth opportunities to long-term security. This is your source of comprehensive financial information. You'll soon understand why they call it the Madrona Difference. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. And welcome to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans.
1: Thank you so much and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, a radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers about how to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. We appreciate you joining us today. We have some valuable information for you during the coming hour that could change your financial life for the better. My name is Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert, Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great, thanks, Jeff. And Brian, you know what is so odd about this is there's no echo around you. You're back in the Madrona man cave again after the pandemic. How does it feel to be back here in the mothership?
2: Oh, it's great. I'm glad to be back in the studio. Yeah, I was struggling with the sound quality <laughs> in my home office there, and this is going to be a lot better going forward. It's good to see you. It's good to see people again, certain uh, you know, people are getting vaccinated and so forth. So a little bit getting back to normal somewhat, and this is a great place to start.
1: Sort of like going into a TGI Fridays, you know how they have the surfboards, I should say, and the, uh, you know, all the little knickknacks there. Try to make it comfortable and make it interesting because we do spend so much time here. Well, enough about us and enough about this studio, but I'm sure the people tuned in to hear us talk about taxes and wealth management, investing and retirement and all that sort of thing. I want to start, though, with the state of the economy, Brian. I mean, recently we have seen some real highs with the uh, Dow. I mean, I I'd seen 33, almost 34,000. Has it hit 34,000?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, any any day it can hit it, it can go above, it can go below it. Of course, the, the stock markets are ever-changing. However, they're ever-changing ever on the up side of things. As we talk about on the show many times uh, that I recall during my CPA years when the Dow first hit 2000, and, and now it's well into the 30s. And, and so uh, we know it doesn't do it in a straight line. And uh, we know that corporations continue to make profits. Now, we don't spend a lot of time on this show talking about you know, individual companies, really none for, for that matter, or specifics on, on stock market investments. Because generally I would think that most people listening are somewhat convinced that it makes sense to have a diversified portfolio so we don't have to talk about whether I think one sector is going to be better than another in the years to come and so forth but we, we talk about the external financial planning topics way more than that because they in the in the final analysis I'm quite quite confident that it's the taxes and the estate planning and the real estate decisions business decisions that make a lot more have a lot more effect on your well-being of your finances long-term than which uh, S&P 500 fund you picked, Fidelities or
1: Schwab's. Well, people get all excited about the market and the S&P 500, the Dow, you know, all the markets. And I think many times they react emotionally. They get this state of euphoria and they come to you and say, Ryan, we want to just throw all the money into the market because I hear the market is doing well. But if I'm hearing you correctly, the market is certainly something that you take a look at, but it's not the major thing that drives your investment plans.
2: No. And one thing about that is, you know, once you determine how much you're comfortable with in the market and how much you're comfortable with in other assets like real estate or fixed index annuities, universal life or your business or whatever it is, we're paying down debt. That's an investment, too. Uh, once you figured out that pretty much the market is the market for the most part, a diversified portfolio. That's not really within your control. What is within your control are decisions that you make outside of that in those other topics I just discussed. It's, you know, decisions about real estate and your business and whether you should have a lifetime income or tax-free, you know, tax decisions. These are decisions that you have more control over on your own retirement. You don't have control over what the S&P 500 will be at a year from today. You just don't. I don't know if it'll be up or down. Statistically, it's, it's going to be up two thirds of the time. So, okay, we know that. if you're a long-term investor, you know that that's probably a decent place to have you know, a percentage of your money. But it's all these other areas and all these other topics that we tackle on this show that are within your control to have some difference. And that's why we talk about them as opposed to things that are outside of our control.
1: So the state of the market has some impact on your financial plans that you make, but it is not the entire determining factor. You really include a lot of other things into that. Does the state of the market affect the financial plan as it relates to the time that somebody's going to want to retire? What I mean by that is retiring in a down market versus uh, an up market entirely different, considering that you may not be retiring for a few years. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And I don't want to downplay that too much either.
2: Because that goes into the decisions about how much to have in various asset classes and so forth. Because there's certain things that biases that we're going to come in probably to the financial planning process that we all might have. One of those biases are that we think that over long term, the stock market will go up. We think over the long term, the right real estate will go up and we think taxes are going to go up too, tax rates. Another thing, we think that the stock markets will be very volatile, and there will be years where the market drops substantially. We just don't know when or how far. So these are all biases I might come into a meeting with, given we know that at some point you're going to mm-hmm. have a big drop in the market, that over the long haul, depending on how long you have to haul, <laughs> that the markets will be up, that other investments will be up, that we have to account for risk and your own personal situation. So. Yeah, all of that is part of the scenario in establishing how much you're comfortable with in the market. But then again, all those other questions we can answer once we've established that.
1: And Brian, we've talked before about the market versus the stock market. What is the difference between the general market versus the stock market? I mean, I know what it is, but right now you're looking at a summary of the market in general.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at uh, your screen, actually, Jeff. I'm going to cheat a little bit here because Yes, the Hang Seng and the FTSE 100 and the Nikkei 225 and the DAX. These are all the market. The Sensex, the S&P MidCap, the NASDAQ, the Dow. Gee, I don't know which is the market. That doesn't even include the biggest share of the market, which is the bond market. That's Mm -hmm. bigger bigger than all the stocks combined. It doesn't include any real estate there. The market is (laughs) kind of ill-defined. It's many different things. Now, most people think of the Dow as the market. But the Dow is 30 companies in the U.S., uh, some of the largest companies. That's all it is. And so that isn't really the market. So any diversified portfolio is certainly going to have many of the components I just mentioned but in addition, all the other components that aren't even, you can't look up like your, your personal real estate mm-hmm. or your rentals, your, your commercial properties, your business, uh, lots of other things too.
1: Let's talk about the stock market in general. We've talked before in this program recently about the stock market being overvalued. Is it still overvalued and by how much?
2: Yeah, that's a tough call. I mean, certainly by statistical measures, it is somewhat overvalued based on profit and loss analysis but that doesn't mean that we're not going to see increases because generally when you know there's a momentum factor to markets often where once they're going up and people feel good about them and they're they're putting money into them well they're going to go up uh, It doesn't matter whether you statistically have determined a particular area of the market's overvalued you know pretty much technology stocks have been overvalued statistically forever But what's not factored in is the innovation that's going to occur in the future. And as that innovation occurs, oh, there's something new. They're creating new innovations, creating new profits that we didn't know about when we said that it was statistically overvalued. So you have to also factor in changes that you don't even know are going to happen. And certainly now with technological advances we've had, We have to kind of just assume that there's going to be changes we're not even aware of product uh, development and profitability and so forth that is going to make markets more valuable than we can see right now
1: analyzing the statistics. And Brian, we've talked about the PEG ratio before, the price-earnings-growth ratio here. In a normal environment, it would be about 16, I understand. And I think uh, many of these stocks are hovering around 30, some are even more than that. When it comes to tech companies, are you worried that the PEG ratios are so high? Well,
2: I used to be in the old days, but not so much anymore because I remember Microsoft never hit below you know, the 50 times earnings or whatever the PE ratio was on that. And you could always look at that and say, oh, it's way overvalued, but we didn't know all the innovation they were going to have at the time or Apple or or Amazon or whatever. Gosh, Amazon's was a thousand times earnings. They didn't have a PE ratio forever because they didn't never made a profit. Mm -hmm. Why would you invest in a company that's never made a profit? Well, because you think they're going to take over the world someday, which they did. So if you kind of knew that, you'd say, well, I don't care what the stats say on it. I'm going to invest in it anyway. So it's we've kinda had to have a paradigm shift on statistics and analyzing stocks because of the amount of change. I mean, I, I think technology doubles every two years. I mean mm-hmm. it's just it's just growing at an infinite rate anymore. So there's so many uh things we can't factor into, especially tech stocks. Now, I wouldn't have the same analysis to a consumer staple stock, perhaps. But when it comes to tech stocks, yeah, you,
1: you got to have a paradigm shift when you're trying to analyze them. So it sounds like you consider this sector with some sectors, like you said, tech stocks. And it's amazing. As you say, technology doubles about every two years. I mean, the cell phone that I have probably has double the power than the one that I had two years ago. But if you're looking at more kind of pedestrian type of things, maybe not the case.
2: Right. I mean, you start factoring in robotics and AI, artificial intelligence and and, you know, certainly uh, manufacturing technologies and so forth, just everything is, and how it affects all the industries across the board, how we consume data changes. It's just, you know, we're, we're in a very unique time historically. We've never really seen this the way we've seen it now. And so I think that has energized people. Another interesting thing is the younger generation has gotten into stock market investing. And now they're putting money into the markets and so forth. We, never, we didn't have really that uh, with the millennials as much because, you know, all they knew was about the dot-com crash and the crash of 08. And they think, well, the stock market stinks. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> well, now, you know, now probably changed their mind for the most part. But now we have many, many people chasing after a finite number of
1: stocks. That's Brian Evans of Adrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. Of course, you're listening to Growing Your Wealth, and we appreciate you making us part of your weekend. If you're considering hiring a new financial advisor, you have at least $500,000 to invest. We invite you to check out Madrona Financial Services. Again, our website is madronafinancial.com. You can also call for a no-cost, no-obligation financial plan at 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. If you've got a plan from someone else, probably a good idea to get a second set of eyes on that. We can do that for you as well, too. 844-MADRONA, once again, the website madronafinancial.com. Brian, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss whether or not Washington has a state tax. I know a lot of people say, well, we don't have a state tax. Well, think again, because it might be around the corner. All that and more when our show continues right
0: after this. Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans will be right back with even more ways to help you stay focused on your retirement goals. When you need something important done around the house,
2: you call a professional. Why is it when it comes to retirement investments, most people don't know what theirs is built on or even if it's right for them? Find a better way at Madrona Financial Services and bring everything together. Call Madrona Financial Services today for your free retirement readiness review at 844-MADRONA. That's 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. The word volatile is rarely used when describing something desirable. It's usually not associated with pleasant outcomes and doesn't sound very appealing unless you're describing a roller coaster or some other thrill ride. And when it comes to your retirement plan, volatile is the last word you want to hear when talking about your nest egg. At Madrona Financial Services, we like to focus on other words when it comes to retirement planning. Words like predictability, opportunity, and security. And while we may live in volatile times, there are strategies that you could be using right now to lessen or even possibly eliminate its impact on your portfolio. If you're concerned about your exposure to market volatility, call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA to schedule your complimentary review. We'll perform a risk analysis of your current portfolio and then discuss the ways we can help you achieve your retirement goals without taking unnecessary chances with your nest egg. Take back control of your retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA or
0: visit us at Madrona. Tired of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now, here's Brian. Welcome back to the
2: show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment,
1: we're going to be talking about the state of Washington capital gains tax. And Brian, I'm looking at a headline right now. The state of Washington may no longer be a tax haven. A new capital gains tax may be on the horizon. Tell me more about that. Yeah, the state of Washington is one of the
2: few states that doesn't have an income tax, individual income tax currently. Although now with the capital gains tax, that's n- probably no longer the case. We do have what's called a business and occupation tax for any business that's trying to work in the state. And it's different for, you know, it depends on how good your lobbyists were as to what your rate is. Certainly the service industry pays many times what a manufacturing uh, entity would for just the right to do business. It's a, a percentage. I know that my firm, we pay well well into six figures. In the business and occupation tax, whether we make a profit or not, we would pay that. It's based on the overall gross sales for the right to business. So I know we don't have an income tax per se currently. However, since we write those big checks, I (laughs) kind of feel like we do, but not technically an income tax. But now they're going to have the first income tax, tax on the profits, which is income tax. Uh, for capital gains in the state of Washington that's what was recently passed.
1: So Brian, is this a done deal? I think there's a lot of opposition to this tax and I would think that it's just not going to be shoot in like that.
2: right Well we'll talk about kind of some of the history of taxes here in a little bit in the state of Washington what some of the different classifications are. Certainly Washington is the first state to classify a gain on the profit of something as an excise tax and we'll talk about that. Change in definition kind of reminds me of you know reclassifying infrastructure, you know, daycare mm-hmm. is infrastructure, you know, all the arguments there. Like, oh, okay, I, that's a bit of a stretch, but I think of it in- infrastructure as a bridge or a road and not so much a, a service. So, but uh, we're, we're redefining things. Certainly, the state of Washington is attempting to redefine what is an income tax and what is not because there are certain. Laws from our past that would restrict the use of an income tax in the state of Washington
1: now we've talked before about income tax-free states, and what I mean by that is state income tax-free states. There are about nine of them in the country. Washington is currently or was one of them. How do you think that this is going to affect businesses in the state of Washington, or those businesses who thought about relocating here to begin with?
2: Well, yeah, Washington's not a, a place where people are going to necessarily relocate businesses just because of that being o tax. Again, we don't call it an income tax; we call it you know it's a tax uh, on gross receipts. So. If you're looking for a tax haven and your business you're you're not coming to Washington. I don't see a lot of companies moving to Washington for any other reason other than maybe a talent pool in the technology industry. I will probably see businesses move away. Now this is more of a an income tax so uh, what this would be and it's initially applies to only people with more than $250,000 of capital gains. I say initially. This is definitely a Trojan horse, in my opinion. It's, it's meant to start, you know, get something on the books that allows an income tax without having it go to a referendum of the people, which is currently how it's supposed to go, to bypass that so that we will eventually have an income tax in the state of Washington.
1: Now this tax is expected that it's going to be raising somewhere around 415 million dollars or more in annual tax revenues and uh, the purpose of the tax it's been stated is to fund K through 12 education in Washington but I would think that that's a lot of money to fund K through 12 education do you think that this tax is for something else
2: Yeah it's, it has been stated that there is a they have a Term for it a fairness fund and I you know might argue is, is, well that's your definition of what's fair or not certainly people that are in this bracket are, are paying a much higher rate than than other people it's kind of a, again another Trojan horse is that if most of the taxes paid are paid by federally or paid by people in higher brackets that's that's just the truth that is what it is but fairness may may mean to someone else well people with money have more than people that don't so it's always fair to move move money from one group of people to another to make it more fair. So I think that's more what they're talking about. Now, the state of Washington is does have a regressive tax system, but and that, that is what we have right now. So this is the start of trying to convert more money from people with higher capital gains. Now, there are a lot of rules around this. It, it is not universally applied. This new tax is not universally applied whatsoever, and I want to talk about that.
1: Yeah, the new tax is to be effective on January 1st, 2022. But as you said, the new law contains numerous exceptions. It does not apply to a number of things. Can you tell us more about what those might be?
2: Yeah. Let's say that you're in the business of real estate and someone else is in the business of auto dealerships and someone else's is, is just any other small business. Well, we have three different rules. If you're in real estate, it doesn't apply to you if you're in auto dealership business, it does not apply to you. Now, I cannot explain why (laughs) that specifically was deemed excludable in this new law. I'm picturing all of our state legislators driving around in new dealer plates. I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but I find it curious here that auto dealerships were specifically excluded However, all your other small businesses were not. And I I can't for the the life of me fathom why that got in there. They have better lobbyists, clearly, than the rest of small businesses out there. So most of my CPA clients don't have auto dealerships. They have other kinds of businesses. And what was also interesting is if you sell your business, you're excluded only if you sell more than 90% of it. And I do want to talk about this because I think they're really missing the boat here. Most of my small businesses, they want to sell internally. They want to sell to employees. Employees can't cash them out all at once. So they don't have 90% to sell all at once. They're going to sell it over time. Well, this new law specifically targets them and says, well, if you want to sell internally, then you're going to pay this tax. If you want to sell externally to some deep pocket large organization, then you are excluded from the tax. But if you want to sell it organically to your employees, forget it. Now, I think that this is maybe an unintended consequence of this law. And I did want to bring this up. I just wrote to my state legislator saying, you're kind of missing the boat here. People that, you know, is, isn't it a good thing to sell to your employees and let it have some generational transfer instead of selling to some big outfit? But you designed the law to promote the exact opposite
1: of that. Brian, I noticed that there were several industries, real estate, farming, ranching, fishing, and automobile dealerships that will receive some favorable treatment under this new law. Why is that? Uh,
2: Yeah, and cattle and certain breeding things. So essentially farming, real estate, and again, auto dealerships have better lobbyists than the rest of the (laughs) industries out there is the only thing I can come up with. Because it's not being evenly applied, you know, you, your industry is your industry. It shouldn't matter what you sell, but in the state of Washington, it does. That's why you have different B and O tax rates for almost every industry out there. That's why the capital gains is not being uniformly applied because we just you know, the lobbying efforts of different categories of have affected, and it, it's become the norm. I mean, I I kind of look at this and go, I it's appalling <laughs> to me personally that every industry is analyzed based upon lobbying efforts. And it's just business as usual in the state of Washington, always has been with the B&O tax and now with the capital gains tax.
1: Brian, you talked earlier about family-owned businesses. The business must be a qualified family-owned business. How do they define a qualified family-owned business versus an unqualified family-owned business? Yeah, there's a lot to that one. You have to
2: recently been actively involved in it. You have to have a certain percentage of ownership in that and so forth. And and there's there's rules around if it's you know family owned and, and how many families can be owners and there's just a lot of of details in that but then you get down to the big one and you have to be selling again substantially all meaning ninety percent or more of the value of that business as I mentioned if you're trying to sell to your employees over time and, and you want to uh, they don't have the money to buy you out you don't sell the whole thing to somebody with no money that just doesn't make good sense. The only time you do that is when you're selling to a big outfit and you want and you'll say, OK, you guys need to cash me out. And again, this law is going to make it very hard on people to business owners to sell over time as opposed to just saying, well, heck with it. Well, in fact, I, you know, I might say, well, maybe you should move to Nevada or Wyoming, you know, no tax state, get your residency there, sell the business to a national outfit, all cash get it done and then move back to washington after that so you don't have to pay this tax i mean they they made it so that people are going to make decisions that they don't want to pay huge amounts of money to the state of washington on the business that they've been working on their entire life because under the new proposals with biden's tax proposal for capital gains you're looking at uh, business owners will be at the highest rate of all taxpayers they'll pay more than somebody earning money in a job they'll pay more than Most uh, people would pay under any circumstance because you would be paying the 39.6 bracket, another 3.8 for Medicare, and now the 7%. That puts you at 50.4% if you're a small business owner trying to sell to your employees over time, 50.4. So taxes will take more under the proposals than you will get for spending your life trying to grow this business. So you're going to make decisions around that and say, well, you know what? I'm not going to sell to my employees. I'm not going to be in the state of Washington. I'm going to move out. There's going to be big decisions made based upon what the legislature state legislature is saying that, that we're going to pay taxes on. It wasn't fairly applied whatsoever, and I think uh, they had, I know, I'm personally I don't think they really
1: thought this one through. That's Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs, and we're talking about the fact that Washington may very well have a state tax. They may not be calling it that, but if it flies like a duck and quacks like a duck, I think you know the rest of the story there. If you have at least $500,000 or more to invest and you're considering hiring a new financial advisor, we might suggest that you try out Madrona Financial Services. For our loyal listeners today, we are offering a no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. All you've got to do to get yours is call 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. You can also request your complimentary plan online at madronafinancial.com. We'll be right back with more of Growing Your Wealth after this. Stay with
0: us. Stay tuned for more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, the show you can't afford to miss. 2020 has come to an end, and the passing of another year means we get to start fresh and reevaluate our goals. As we enter into 2021, take a moment to reflect back on what mattered most in the past year. It could have been your health, your friends, and most likely, your family. Let the start to 2021 be a call to action to ensure that you have a solid estate and legacy plan in place for your family. Call 844-MADRONA to get more information on creating a plan to fit your loved one's needs. At Madrona Financial Services, they believe in creating comprehensive written plans designed to help ensure you never outlive your money and that your plan also reflects the wishes you have for your family. And to make it easy, Madrona Financial Services offers complimentary virtual no-obligation meetings where they'll take the time to discuss your unique goals and financial situation. Leave this past year behind and enter a new one with the confidence that your loved one's future is secure. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. If you have an annuity or are thinking about getting an annuity, do not buy one until you talk to the financial professionals at Madrona Financial Services. Call 844 Madrona today or visit online at madronafinancial.com for your no obligation review. You may qualify for an upfront bonus and even guaranteed income growth. While some annuities can help you protect your assets in a volatile market, having the wrong one could cost you thousands. Don't let this happen to you. So if you own an annuity or are thinking about buying one, call the professionals at Madrona Financial Services and they'll explain the different types of annuities, tax truths, what they'll mean to your spouse and heirs, and most of all, how they should fit into your overall portfolio. Call the professionals at Madrona Financial Services now for a no-obligation financial review and find out the truths about your annuities and how they should fit into your retirement income plan. The number to call is 844-MADRONA. That number again is 844-MADRONA or visit online at madronafinancial.com. Prosper with Madrona. You can't build a house with just one tool and you can't plan for retirement without an integrated comprehensive strategy. If you want to get more information on the Madrona bundle of services, call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or go to madronafinancial.com. Now, back to more of Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona
2: Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. In this segment, we're going to continue our discussion about the Washington Capital Gains Tax.
1: And Brian, you know, when I heard about this capital gains tax being implemented and I really knew that this was not going to go down easily, there is a challenge to this. Already, there's been a lawsuit filed against it, right?
2: Yeah. The Freedom Foundation has already filed the expected lawsuit on this challenging the constitutionality of a capital gains tax and the classification of this as an excise tax in the legislative verbiage uh, related to it.
1: So, Brian, what taxes are going to be central to this lawsuit?
2: Well, there's, we have to have a definition of different kinds of taxes in order to, you know, this is what's going to come up. There's all kinds of taxes. There's an income tax, We all see income taxes as a graduated system based upon earnings. And so graduated means that the rates go up the more you earn. There's property tax, which is just a a tax on the value of something. There's an excise tax, which is supposed to be a, a tax on just activity, revenue, total revenue. And then there's business and occupation tax, which I would say is kind of the same thing as an excise tax. And then there's an estate tax, which is a tax on value so upon somebody's death. So it's not that, uh, I think the first argument they're going to talk about is, is it this technically an income tax? And, and because it is a tax on profits. And every other state in the federal government looks at capital gains as an income tax. It's part of your income tax return. So we file an income tax return. We, we put our income on there, which includes capital gain income, not the gross amount of what you sell. It's the profit, the income from it. And so everybody's defined capital gains as income forever. And the state of Washington is saying, no, it's an excise tax. Well, excise taxes are taxes on gross. This is not a tax on gross. So that is gonna be an argument the Freedom Foundation is gonna clearly point out that, well, this is not a tax on the gross activity, it's a tax on profits. And frankly, capital gains often are a tax on inflation because if you own something a long time, it went up in value, you may have just been covering inflation. So even on paper it says you had a big gain, you're going, Well, no, my the dollars were worth ten cents on the dollar when I bought this and it went up ten X. I'm I kinda just <laughs> I'm kinda keeping even with inflation, you know, so the argument can be made for that. But getting back to the basics, there's gonna be challenges to What uh, the state of Washington Constitution allows, terminology, definitional stuff. We're going to have a lot of definitional stuff. And, you know, on the outside looking in, it's pretty clearly that there's going to be a fierce battle in there because I'm still trying to figure out how this is
1: an excise tax. It, It certainly isn't just because we call it one. And Brian, this is not a new conversation. This discussion actually goes back to around 1933, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. If you go back there, what I learned is it's not that income taxes are necessarily unconstitutional in the state of Washington. It's graduated tax rates that are. You, it, they basically back in the 30s said, well, you can apply just about any tax you want as long as it's even. It's mm-hmm. always the same rate. And they said 1% back then. Now, we have greatly exceeded that because now the sales tax might be 10 percent or B&O tax can be well above 1 percent. It is for me and my businesses. Property taxes are well above that. So they've kind of scratched the the whole 1 percent cap on that. But they've said, if you're going to tax, you have to tax evenly. It doesn't matter how much. Now, this is not an even tax, obviously, although they would contend, well, it is a, an even tax above a certain amount, it's a certain percentage to a certain group of people. And that's where they're going to try and say it's not an income tax and it's not a property tax, it's an excise tax. I think it's going to be an interesting case for many reasons. Again, it, you know it's going to be up to probably in the end a judge that just, it's going to be how they feel about the tax. We certainly do have a regressive tax system in the state of Washington where lower income pays a higher percentage of higher income. However, our Constitution says that that's just how it's going to be. We have to have a referendum approved by the people, in my understanding, to change that. Right or wrong, I'm not, I'm not even voicing an opinion yet. I'm just saying what the challenges are going to be here. But I'm certainly still you know, scratching my head as to how the state's calling this an excise tax.
1: So, Brian, income taxes are technically not illegal in Washington State. It's the fact that it's a graduated tax. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Yeah, that's that's a big part of it. And and frankly, it's they, they've kind of combined a couple of terms. They've basically income taxes cap, taxes on capital gains. They've termed as a property tax in the state of Washington. So there's going to be, going back to 1933, there are going to be some re- references to that. And there'll probably be some objections saying, well, they didn't really understand what it was back then, so let's fix it now. Perhaps if it's a property tax, then it has to be evenly applied. And again, it's not. It's it's only for certain industries, certain sellers, for certain amounts. And so based upon even that interpretation, it's it's not legal to to have this in the state of Washington. I'm not a judge or anything. I'm not an attorney, but I am a CPA and I'm looking, I work with all these taxes my whole career. And again, I'm still befuddled as to what the argument is going to be from the proponents of this tax to say it's okay in the state of Washington. I don't know how this lawsuit's going to be. I know know we have even judges or, you know, they're appointed politically, and they're gonna maybe judge a certain direction. Often, there's no, there's no precedent to this particular thing so much. But boy, everything I'm looking at says y- you can't do this the way you have it drafted. So. Maybe there'll be some adjustments to it. I just don't know at this point. I think it's not so much that I'm bothered by a tax on this. I'm I'm really bothered by who it's applying to. Given I know I work, we you know my CPA firm works with so many business owners, and to pull them out as opposed to other people with better lobbyists. That uh, you probably heard my frustration on that, Jeff. Yeah, here, so. yeah. A little frustrated with that—that that lobbyists are really running the state and telling the legislators who should be taxed and who who shouldn't, rather than logic. And and certainly some unintended consequences I think are going to come from that.
1: So I think the big rub here is that it's not an evenly applied tax, as you said. It just depends upon the lobbyists and you know who's got more clout than the other one. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty much how I see it right now. I've read enough about this to say,
2: wow, some of my clients are getting off scot-free and, and some are getting nailed pretty good. And they're already going to get nailed on the capital gains, it looks like, under the Biden administration as it is, with a more than doubling of that, that rate to, to where, again, I could see a lot of my clients just, you know, now that they're right at their retirement years, they had a plan. For their exit strategy. This is their retirement plan, but this particular retirement plan will be taxed at 50.4%. So Brian,
1: all that considered, who else would this apply to?
2: Well, basically, as I see it, this applies to most small businesses and and larger businesses too, of course. So the sale of a business, it applies to, to you generally, except for certain ones, as I mentioned a couple times. It also applies to the sale of stock. So I would say it applies heavily to people that invested in technology shares early. So your Microsoft, Amazon, you know, those kinds of companies where you invested in stock a long time ago and you have significant gains. If you sell a significant block of those or maybe a Bitcoin owner or somebody like that, if you sell a significant amount of that in any one year, you're going to be paying this tax. So again, people with big individual stock holdings that make a big sale, or the one that I'm going to see more of with my clients is somebody selling the business that they've been building over all these years. Because very often, most of their equity is sweat equity. It's not cost basis. They didn't buy it their businesses for millions of dollars. They Mm -hmm. created that through uh, decades and decades of work and and burning the midnight oil
1: there. So they're the ones that are going to get tagged the most under this proposal. So it doesn't sound like this is over with by a long shot. As we said, if this went through, it would take effect January 1st, 2022. How do you feel about, you know, when or if this is going to come to fruition?
2: Well, you know, some of the advice I give to my small business owners, if you were close to thinking about selling a business, do it this year. Mm-hmm. And that way you probably avoid the 50.4% bracket and instead pay 238 as a maximum bracket. That's a big number. <laughs> That's a big difference between those. And so there'll be some, you know, whenever a tax law changes and it changes dramatically, like what we're seeing, people make decisions because this is a voluntary tax. You don't have to sell your business in the state of Washington. And pay that tax. You can you can do things to to not do that, and so it is somewhat voluntary. And so people will will react based upon what's presented to them. There'll be a change in behavior in in the case of you know the advice that we'd be putting out uh, once some of these t- uh, laws
1: come into effect. But I don't know if it will survive the courts. You know, I really can't say one way or the other. Well, we know that one thing is true, and that is that taxes are changing rapidly and you need to be prepared. Think about this. If your advisor is not Madrona Financial Services and they do not have tax experts on staff or CPAs, you've got to ask yourself, how much do they understand this particular situation? If you have at least $500,000 or more to invest and you're looking to hire a new financial advisor, give Madrona Financial Services a try. Again, there's no cost. There's no obligation to sort of kick the tires here at Madrona Financial. Let them take a look at what you've got and see if they can make it better for you. To get your complimentary plan, call 844-MADRONA, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. And as always, you can check out the firm and request your plan online from madronafinancial.com. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more after this. Stay
0: with us. Discussing the financial issues that matter most to you. We'll be right back with more Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans. Time for today's edition of Growing Your Wealth, presented by Madrona Financial. Here's Brian Evans. Today I want to talk about tax-free
2: investing in retirement. Now all of us know that we can do a Roth and all of the growth in that Roth would be permanently tax-free when we take it out in retirement. Now the issue with Roths, there are two of them primarily. One is I'm talking about the growth. What if you don't have growth? Well then the Roth probably didn't do you a whole lot of good because Roths are going to be invested in markets or REITs or bonds or something and you have to have the cooperation of your investment returns to make it worthwhile. Secondly, Roths have severe limitations on how much you can put into them each year. So generally, it's hard to get them too high. You can always pay the tax on your IRAs and put money into your Roth that way, but you're paying the tax and putting that in right now. Another alternative is something called a fixed index universal life. They don't have the limitations of Roth. You can have the cash flow in your retirement permanently tax-free using a fixed index universal life strategy. You're not buying it for the life insurance necessarily, you're buying it for the tax-free strategy it gives you because of the tax laws the way they're written right now. So with a fixed index universal life, you don't have the annual limitations that the Roth has. Secondarily, you can have potentially a much safer investment option with the fixed index universal life. Often they offer investment options that have a zero floor annually so they can be a wonderful way to have
0: cash flow in your retirement that is permanently tax-free in addition to your Roth. And that was Growing Your Wealth with Brian Evans, Madrona Financial, investments, retirement, taxes, and legacy, madronafinancial.com. Call now and get a copy of Brian's new book, The Little Red Book of Retirement, The Basics of Retirement Investing.
1: From taxes to lifestyle tips, you'll gain valuable insights as you plan for retirement. Call Madrona Financial Services today at 844-MADRONA for your free copy or visit madronafinancial.com.
0: Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services
2: and Bauer Evans CPAs. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about President Biden's tax increase proposal.
1: And Brian, President Biden had an address to Congress a couple of weeks ago. It was interesting looking at that on TV. It looked like not a lot of people wanted to sit next to each other. I mean, there's a pretty sparse audience yeah. there, wasn't there? Yeah, it was pretty sparse. <laughs> and uh, there's not a lot of agreement policy right now in, in Washington as I see it. Yeah, I was, uh, they kept cutting to uh, Ted Cruz, who uh, every time they cut to him, he had his eyes closed like he was going to sleep. He was sleeping, <laughs> he I was think. He was
2: sleeping, yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, when uh, Nancy Pelosi ripped up Trump's speech afterwards, <laughs> just kind of showboating there. It's like, this is so bad, I can't even stay awake for <laughs> his first speech. Uh, I uh-huh. thought that was pretty
1: lame. <laughs> well, poor Joe. I mean, I noticed his speech pattern is a bit slower. He's a man in his late 70s. I mean, yeah. you would expect him to be a little bit slower. It makes me... A one- Wonder a little bit though about you know that's a very tough job that's probably arguably the toughest job in the world being the president of the United States and you know, you get to be in your 70s. It's like, mm, maybe this is for a younger man. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I don't know why anybody would want that job, for
2: one thing. Secondly, why would anybody want any job in their late 70s? <laughs> I would think you know, so. Like, like you're
1: forced to. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I could see uh, putting your time on, on boards of directors at charities yeah. and making a difference. And I remember I was at a speech and, and General Powell was the speaker. And every and this person said, General Powell, you've you, you have so much much that you do and so many good things you've done. Would you run for president? And everybody stood up and, and gave him a big two-minute applause. And he finally comes to Mike. He says, no. <laughs> <Am I laughs> why creating? would I want that job? I get so much more done on the outside world. I'm on 200 different organizations, right, right. blah, 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 and I don't have to raise money and talk about stupid stuff. <laughs> he was just on and on about, gosh, why would I want that job? So."
1: Well, President Biden, I mean, he tried to be president before he figured this was his last chance. Let's see if we can get this done. I mean, Al Gore tried to be president, but at least he had sense enough to maybe not do it again. And I think Al Gore is actually younger than Joe Biden is.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'll give him credit for that. I kind of
1: figured that one out. He said, this isn't much fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I can't imagine the stress and pressure and what that's got to do to you. But it is what it is. He had his address. And a lot of us watch that. What is your takeaway from what he said, Brian? I think taxes are going up. I mean, that
2: was that was my big takeaway there with the spending that's being proposed. Uh, I don't I don't see any other way around it. There's no way we could even raise taxes enough to pay for what I heard there because right now, you know, the 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 entire amount of income from Social Security and me- and Medicare and income taxes, corporate, personal, tariffs, everything is only three trillion a year, and I. Stop counting when I got well above that, and <laughs> just new spending on yeah. top of the fact that we spend two trillion more a year than we bring in. So taxes going up was my biggest takeaway. I, one of the things is increasing the corporate tax rate. Now that's the easiest one to do. It's at 21% right now. Even President Biden thinks that 35% is too high because globally that's higher. And what that what we learned is when we have that high of a tax rate corporations are smart. They just say, well, I'm going to move out of the U.S. then. Mm-hmm. And they just go somewhere else. And so he, he wants to raise it to 28%, which, okay, that is is what it is. But uh, they, they have to be real careful of that one because corporations can just move, as opposed to individuals who can't. So there's a proposed increase in the top marginal tax rate there to 396 also, there's been a qualified business income deduction for a lot of smaller businesses. Wants to take that away if the business is somewhat successful and makes 400000 or more. But the big one, of course, we've been talking about is increasing capital gains tax, which again is, is primarily a tax on inflation. But to take away the advantageous tax rate to long-term investments and make it all ordinary income to taxpayers, currently this is how these ta- these proposals go. Anybody making more than a million a year, and people go, "Oh, okay, that's fair. I don't make a million, so yeah, let's tax them." And then the next time around, well, how about two hundred fifty thousand a year? Okay, how about twenty-five cents? You know, it's like yeah. these these taxes. Uh, once they get them in there, and they start uh, moving that that down, I see it over and over and over. Where once we have something in the law we just start moving the the goalposts as to who it applies to.
1: Brian, how far down the road is taking away the step-up in basis? I know he had talked about that before, and that would be your ability to, for example, pass along a piece of property to your heirs and for them to not pay tax on that.
2: Yeah, I I think that that's a a big one because for generations, we've been able to pass on property to our heirs and, and they would go on. Now we're looking at circumventing that to where essentially heirs need to sell what they would inherit to pay tax. It's just that's this is the first big that's a big one to me. I mean, that that just uh, looks and smells too much like socialism at the nth degree to me, where we've said generational transfer will no longer happen. It will happen to the government that we will now transfer generationally to the government for sales, and you won't be passing down your house and so many you know, different, different assets to your heirs. You'll be passing a percentage to the government each time uh, someone passes away. So this is the first step towards
1: that. Brian, you were talking about trillions of dollars, and they're throwing around these figures, trillions of dollars, like it's monopoly money, like it isn't real. But unlike the game of monopoly, when you put it away, I mean, it's over with. But Somebody's got to be paying this bill, and you made a good analogy last week. It's sort of like having a credit card that, you know, we go on vacation to Hawaii or Europe or wherever and charge it up, but we're not the ones that pay the bill.
2: Yeah, we're charging up all kinds of stuff right now that we're never going to pay. I just mentioned that all of the income taxes combined that we collect, all of it is trillion. and we're talking about spending many, many, many times that. Well, even if, if you taxed people at 100%, all people, all their earnings was 100%. We went straight, straight communism, just boom. Wow. Everything you make goes to government. We wouldn't have enough to cover what's being proposed right now. So we're not, we're not actually serious about talking about paying it back. When I say we, our generation, Jeff it's the next generation. Yeah. So anything that's being proposed right now is not going to be paid back by any of these proposals. It's going to be paid back by the next generation with interest. And so that's just the reality. That's not an opinion. That's just numbers. I'm an accountant. Numbers don't lie. I mean, to just look at the math. If we're bringing in $3 trillion a year and we're spending five, and we add several more to that spending, that will never be covered by any tax rate that we could ever come up with. It's just not possible. We, we can't tax more than 100% of income. So that's just not going to happen. And so the proposals, again, we're going to be having a debt. And the, the, the thinking is right now that it doesn't matter how big your debt is uh, long-term. And I think it does, especially if interest rates ever go up. That would be the end of finances in our country as we know it. If we had $50, 100000000000000 trillion of debt, and the interest rate was you know five percent, and then the, you know all of the revenue combined doesn't even cover the interest. then you know, we got a big mm-hmm. problem because uh, the rates would go up from there and we would that
1: would be the end of, of things as we know it financially. Well, Brian, tax is certainly a popular thing to talk about these days. And as you said, baby boomers, here we are spending trillions of dollars and not us personally, but the government spending all this, but it seems like younger people are going to be paying this back. If someone listening to us is maybe a little bit younger than a baby boomer, should they be excessively concerned about working with an advisor that understands taxes? Absolutely. Because we already know that your rate's
2: going to be extremely high in the future. Uh, Hopefully some adjustments will be made. And it's not that, that, uh, you know, I'm saying that uh, I'm saying the fiscal policy needs needs to be reviewed. I'm not saying I don't want clean air and and clean water and and education and you know support for everybody. Everybody wants all of that. It's just we have a certain amount of uh, resources and we have to allocate it accordingly. We can't just expand that resource base indefinitely by borrowing, borrowing, borrowing. We can't borrow our way into pro- you know into prosperity. And so you know they talk about this being an, an investment. Okay, investment, 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 but I can only invest so much of the next generation's money before it just gets to be too much. That's all I'm, I'm saying with this. But the steps you can take right now for you personally are especially young people. We have some great techniques for certain people, especially higher income people, people that make over 100000 a year, to create retirement income that's permanently tax-free. And it's so important, given what I think tax rates are going to be for you, especially if you're younger, if you're under if you're in your you know early mid-50s or younger, especially 30s and 40 year olds listening right now, it's critical that you have a tax-free piece to your portfolio and if your advisor isn't talking about these uh, leveraged ways to get tax-free
1: income into your retirement plan then you might want to give us a call. Interesting show today, Brian. We've talked a lot about taxes here. We talked about a potential income tax in the state of Washington disguised as an excise tax. The challenge to that, of course, federal taxes, it seems to be all about taxes. That's your favorite subject, right, Brian? Well, it kind of is, and it's kind of why I'm on the radio,
2: because if you think about it, you know, 99% plus of financial advisors out there are not CPAs. They're not allowed to talk taxes. I'm probably the only person on the radio that is talking taxes because I'm allowed to, and it's hard enough to find a CPA that can communicate well as it is. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so I got a, we got a CPA that can <laughs> communicate and, and is willing to on the radio. So, then, you know, I want to talk more about taxes because I think that's something that's not being talked about, especially to the level we talked about today, where I'm hoping that if mm-hmm. if you were listening, that maybe you reach out to your legislators and talk to them about some of the repercussions of some of the things they're talking about to actually take a, a deeper dive into looking at what might be the outcome of some of these these tax laws that they're talking about changing because some of them are very negative.
1: Well, if you're looking to hire a new financial advisor and particularly one that understands taxes and can talk taxes, but more importantly, talk intelligently and communicate those ideas with you, We highly encourage you to check out the firm here at Madrona Financial Services. I mean, the advisors are accountants many times, CPAs, and really they can talk taxes in an understandable way that you can understand how it affects you the most. 844-MADRONA is the number to call, 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. You can also request your complimentary plan online at madronafinancial.com. Brian, out of time for this week, I want to thank everybody for listening to us. For Brian Evans, I'm Jeff Shade. Go out there have a great weekend, won't you? We'll talk to you again next week with another
0: edition of Growing Your Wealth. Don't let the health crisis that began in 2020 become a wealth crisis for you and your retirement. Times like these require a plan and people you can trust by your side. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services has been helping retirees navigate through changing times for more than 30 years. If you're not 100% certain that your current plan is equipped to handle times like these, call Madrona Financial Services right now and Brian will meet with you personally. The number is 844-Madrona. That's 844-Madrona. But spaces are limited, so call now. The pandemic could likely affect your taxes, social security, your investments, your health care, and a lot more. So now isn't the time for guesswork. Call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA. A sound strategy and a team by your side could add hundreds of thousands of dollars or more over your retirement. Call 844-MADRONA right now. That's 844-MADRONA. Or visit online at madronafinancial.com. That's M-A-D-R-O-N-A financial.com.
2: This is Brian Evans, founder of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPA and host of the Growing Your Wealth radio show. If you're close to or in retirement and don't have a tax plan, get one. It could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars throughout your retirement. Our country has been spending like never before, and that tax bill is coming. At Madrona Financial Services, we help build tax strategies into retirement and investment plans designed for you to help keep more of your gains. Take action and call us at 844-MADRONA to schedule a retirement tax analysis today. That's 844-MADRONA. After World War II, taxes reached 90% and were as high as 70% in the 80s. Don't be caught off guard. You can retire right and on your terms. Call to schedule a virtual or in-person review. Our number is 844-MADRONA. That's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A. Or visit
1: us online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com.